what's your what's your take on on the the you know on the pulse of America right now? Uh, fuck man, I don't know. I think we're about to flip, and it's going to be ugly. What do you mean, flip? Uh, fucking Republicans are about to take over. Look at this mess. Dude, I've never seen more fucking wires in my entire fucking life. It's, like, so unnecessarily complex. Honestly. It looks like something out of a, a fucking alien movie. with Rob and Chad. People expect you to fall Hit that same old wall Really they don't want to help at all They talk behind your back today Shake their heads and say Well, I always knew that the ball would come to no good anyway You better pack up and go Detroit or Buffalo Anybody wanna know where you don't know You don't know God knows everybody gotta go sometime I'm taking this train to the end of the line I haven't been to well myself A lot of time on the shelf Saying that I don't need help when I do But I'm gonna be just fine A lot of friends a little wild Still I wish I could see you Stand by. Listen now. <laughs> is this Rob? Uh, no, this is Rob. That was Chad speaking there. Yeah, this is Chad. Um, yeah. What's your last name, Chad? My last name is Young. Y O U N G. Yeah, yeah and you don't video or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just messing. Around. We just started using this, uh, this software, so we're. You know, kind of geeking out on it, but you know, feel free to explore, do whatever you want. Do you want to do just audio or video? Yeah. Hey, look, audio is perfect for me. It's easier for me to edit. And to be honest with you, I, I don't. I'm not looking forward to making a video podcast. I think that that's going a little over the top for me. Okay. So, I really, really, truly 
respect and admire what it is that you do. And I'd love for you to just take a couple of, however long it takes for you to just tell me what it is that you love about it. Some of the cool things that have happened to you. And is it possible for normal people to become involved in this? Well, I started out with MUFON in the early 1990s, and uh, I was asked to uh, be a member of the board in 1995. And I was on the board until July of this year. I left the board, but I was on the board for 27 years, something like that. I was planning on uh, leaving the board because I'd been on there so long. And I, I felt that, you know, I'm 69 years old and I felt it was time for maybe a younger uh, deserving person to have a place there. And I just thought it was a, it was a good thing to do. So uh, I'm mainly occupied with my own uh, research. I, I write research papers uh, with, uh, concerning the subject of MJ-12. Yeah, he, he really breezed over this little tidbit of information, which suggests a level of modesty that I will never, ever possess. I read through this dude's WordPress page in like three days. The information contained within his research is accurate, poignant, and because of these two factors, it is generative in the hands of somebody who knows what to do with it. So if you fancy yourself a student of the phenomenon, you would be doing yourself a great disservice by not going to his WordPress page and looking at these research papers. All you have to do is look at them. They will pull you in. So I'm retired now, uh, and uh, I do work a little bit of part-time with my former employer. But but the rest of the time I spend researching and, and writing these research papers. So uh, I just want to put more time into that. Now, um, what's the greatest thing about being on the board? I mean. Part of what I really enjoyed the most was going to the annual symposiums and the uh, board meetings during the year. And from time to time, we did get a little bit of a special treat of someone coming in and, and uh, addressing the board during a board meeting. Uh, for example, Lou Elizondo did that once. Also, during the annual symposiums, you know, I not only meet my friends, but at these UFO conferences, you get to meet the people that are you know, writing the books and giving the lectures and on being on the lecture tour. And you make a lot of contacts in the UFO field, in the UFO community. So that, that's the really great thing about it. To hear Linda Moulton Howe talk about these symposiums, it's like she, she starts speaking as if she's a 19-year-old girl again. Like she, she's, she talks about staying up all night and and going and being pulled away from conversations because somebody wants to talk to you about something and she felt simultaneously magical and on the cutting edge of everything all in a single day and she said there's nothing 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 on the face of this planet that can compare to that my area of interest, uh, the history of the MJ-12 affair and, and perspectives on MJ-12 is out of favor right now. When the MJ-12 documents first appeared in the 1980s, they created a huge controversy. And there was just a white hot debate going on in the late 80s and early 90s about the whole MJ-12 affair. And that was, uh, what, going on 30 years ago or more. You know, I was married. Uh, I, I, married in, in 1993, and 
uh, we had a daughter and I was employed. I had, you know, I had a day job. So I did a little bit of research on MJ-12 in my spare time, but I put off really getting into it full time until, in, until I became retired. So by the time I finally got into it, a lot of the real action going on between some of the players uh, in the MJ-12 research, all that had uh, come and gone, you know, it's, it's in, in the past. So now that I'm really digging into this and really being involved in it, there aren't a lot of people that are interested in it, but, you know, there, there, I hope there are more people reading my blog than, than leave comments. So what was your day job? Uh, financial analyst. I have a background in, in finance. I worked in banks and credit unions. Uh, I was a credit union CEO for a while and then uh, went to work for a local company here in San Antonio as a financial analyst. And to put it in the most succinct terms, I just say that I stared at spreadsheets all day. You know, to me, to me, the MJ-12 documents, it's not their content. It, it was how they were delivered. It just seemed so, I don't know, non sequitur to just be delivered. To, was it, Stan, were they delivered to Stanton? Uh, they were left, I think, at the front door. Uh, it was a roll of 35 millimeter film. And it was left at the front door of Jamie Chandray, who was an associate of, of William Moore. And I think it was definitely, you know, uh, William Moore was the target. And uh, that you know, that, that's how it, it came about. And that was something new. Most researchers, uh, they were trying to get a legitimate government documents. Occasionally a hoax document or a, a hoax would turn up, but this is the first time that uh, a UFO researcher, well, I, I can't say it's the first time, but it's really one of the times when uh, really, it really took notice among investigators that the material had been received that way in, in such a surreptitious covert manner. Well, and of course, simultaneously, this is when the, the, the Doty, you know, Benowitz thing was going on. And this was all intricately like tied into that whole affair. Was it not? Yes, it was. Um, as far as I can tell, Richard Doty recruited Bill Moore in 1980, and Bill Moore had just come out with a book that he co-authored with Charles Berlitz called The Roswell Incident. And before that book came out, uh, Bill Moore and Stan Friedman and, and maybe another person or two were, were really uh, doing some a lot of investigation about the Roswell Incident. So when Moore uh, came out with that book, he was on uh, he was on a promotion tour. You know, with like on radio shows, and he was recruited then. Now, as far as I can tell, Moore was recruited to uh, partly provide feedback on how the Benowitz uh, situation was developing, and then partly to provide feedback on the conversations going on in the UFO community. Now, Richard Doty has claimed that Moore was involved in helping the government bring a Russian scientist to the United States. And I don't, I don't have any supporting evidence for that other than Moore was reputed to know some Russian. I don't, I don't know how much he knew. I, I don't know if he was fluent in the language or if he could read it or, or write it. But Moore did have some, uh, apparently, according to the literature, he did have some contacts in Russia, UFO contacts. And Moore recounted uh, uh, a series of 
uh, events where he actually received postcards from Russia, and then he he would call a secret phone number and, and read the uh, read the content of, of of the postcard and then hang up. So uh, it it may be the case where Moore was played to a certain extent by being told that he he was not a paid informant per se. Okay. But the promise was, hey, if you help us, we'll we'll give you some, some inside information about what the government knows about UFOs. Thus, MJ-12 documents. But Tom, I mean, how could I mean, you know, I'm sure you get this a lot because I saw the new interview that that Doty did with Greer, and the entire time I'm sitting there thinking, I don't believe a goddamn word this dude is saying to me. I, I don't. I don't. I mean, everyone at the time is saying he'll never be trusted again. And then here he is entering back into the conversation and people are trusting what he has to say again. Well, I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't go that far. I won't go that far with it. For example, he's he's one of his claims has been that his uncle, Edward Doty, was very uh, deeply involved in UFO investigations and Air Force. And I verify that that's, uh, that's true. Uh, I, I, I can provide two references on that. There's no question that he was working as an AFOSI agent at Kirtland Air Force Base. Wow. In fact, those references are in my one of my research papers. And, and what was the name of that paper? Well, I've written four or five, but um, it may be it's MJ-12 colon AFOSI. And this yeah. can be found on your website? And, and could you give us the name of that website? That's Tom Whitmore blog, period, dot wordpress.com we'll link to that in the description and we'll go ahead and re-shout it out uh, during the the following episode you know he was uh, an agent at Kirtland Air Force Base from 1979 to 1984 I believe he was transferred to Germany in 1984 and then uh, he left the Air Force in 1988 now he had said previously that he was in training to be a New Mexico state police officer, and uh, John Greenwald, uh, the Black Vol, got a, a hold of Doty's personnel records with the New Mexico State Police from 1988 to 2015, of which I have a copy and that I've carefully gone over in, in, um, in chronological order. And he was actually with the New Mexico State Police longer than he was in the Air Force. That's another fact that a lot of people don't. Most people do not understand Doty's timeline, and they don't understand some of the nuances in the affair. So I, I try to bring light on that. And what are some of those nuances? And and other than the fact that he was with the police force longer than the the uh, Air Force Office of Special Investigations, which how many years was he in uh, Special Investigations with the Air Force? Uh, I think from 1979 through 1986. He was with the Air Force, I believe, from uh, 1968 through 1988. Were, were there any specific reasons that he gave why he was, um, you know, indoctrinated to this program, this very special access program? Uh, I, don't, I don't know other than that he said, you know, he, he had a relative. Well, his father, I believe, was, was an Air Force person. And then his uncle, Edward Doty, was was an Air Force person who was involved in the UFO investigations in the Air Force. So 
that might have been a reason. I don't know who or why they pick who they do, but that, that may have had something to do with it. I mean, you have to apply to be in the FOSI, and then you have to be selected, you know, to be a candidate, and then you have to go through training and all that. You have to pass through the training program. Are they real? Do you think that they're real? Well, there are a whole lot of MJ-12-related documents. The first set of what is considered to be the original MJ-12 documents is the Eisenhower briefing document, the Truman Forrestal memo, and the Cutler-Twining memo. And the Eisenhower briefing document is almost certainly not authentic, probably a cut-and-paste job, too. So, you know, the consensus on that original set is that they're not authentic. Now, before those came out, there was... Uh, the so-called Aquarius Telex uh, that mentions MJ-12 and the so-called Carter Briefing document that mentions MJ-12. The Aquarius Telex had been altered when it was given to William Moore to pass on to Paul Benowitz. The Carter Briefing document, the skeptical UFO investigators believe that it's a fake. I I don't know. I I wouldn't go that far. I, I just don't know if it's fake. Wait, are you saying the Carter briefing document or the Nixon briefing document? Carter. Carter had one too. Well, that I mean, there's legend and there's rumor and, you know, we don't have any direct confirmation that, that Carter was briefed in this way. We know, we know that Carter was interested in UFOs. He had had his own sighting and uh, he had made a campaign promise that he would release all the government's UFO documentation. And there's a rumor, you know, that Reagan was briefed. In fact, there's there's a transcript of his briefing out there somewhere. I haven't gotten into that very much yet, but yeah, that's where it gets into the Project Serpo, you know, where they send the the, the twelve, uh, you know, the scientists to that Eben planet, and I mean, you're, then you get into these science fiction themes that are so hard to believe. What do you use as a as a waypoint? to help you decide what is likely real and what is likely a hoax, a forgery? Well, we just we just don't know if something comes out in the public domain that doesn't come out officially from the government, then it's 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 suspect. Okay. I don't go so far as to claim that it's an out and out hoax because there are people that have been in government, uh, you know, in the military and in the intelligence community that may have seen and heard things and and seen documents that we don't get to see. So maybe they're trying to leach some information into the public domain, you know, covertly. That's, That's a possibility. A lot of this stuff sounds so outlandish that it is hard to believe. But at the same time, large elements of the military and the intelligence community operate in secret, especially on on the CIA side. I mean, most everything they do is secret. And compartmentalized secret is that. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to jump out and say Serpo is true, but then I'm not going to come out and say Serpo is false. It's just something that's it's an interesting development in this in this pattern of communication and information that's come into the public domain. We had the so-called Carter briefing document, and then the Aquarius Telex, okay. and then the MJ-12 documents, and then a whole slew 
of more MJ-12 documents that were that came into the possession of this person by the name of Timothy Cooper. And you have the Psalm 101 manual. We're getting into the early 90s now. Right. And then you have then you have projects. Now the Timothy Cooper documents are he received many many documents. Okay. Then you have Serpo coming online and the claims of of Dan Burrish. And then even as late as 2017, we had this, what I call the ultra top secret document. Right. This doesn't even include documents that maybe Linda Howe has received that she hasn't released. There may be other documents that UFO investigators have received that haven't gotten into the public domain for whatever reason. But this is definitely a pattern of this really outlandish information entering into the public imagination. Do you think that there's a purpose to this? Do you think that this is perhaps some sort of a disinformative campaign? I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep cutting you off. It's just what you're saying is fascinating. And I, I, I don't know whether to just pick your brain or to let you talk. I'm going to let you talk. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Keep going. No, no pick, pick my brain because this is actually a pretty broad subject and a lot of different things go into it. Um, All right. For instance, the SOM, the extraterrestrial biological disposal, uh, disposal and uh, with the one where it has pictures of boxes and how you're supposed to create these things up, I, I, I still in my heart believe that that's an actual document. The, the way that it was photographed, like quickly, so they're, they're about to come back in the room. So I just need to take a few more photographs, try and keep your hands steady. It's all good. It's all good. And the blurry pictures, you can see that there are, you know, they're, they're checked. Uh, uh, pages of, of signatory lines, you know, where you're supposed to sign it out. And if you haven't signed it out, then you're in deep shit. And I was in the military. I mean, I, I know what those those documents look like. And I'm telling you, it, it sure, maybe the typecast was wrong for that year, but come on, man. I mean, that was, if, if it was a, a, a a forgery, a hoax. I would love to meet the man who did it because what a genius. Well, it depends on who you talk to. Um, uh, I think one person in the Air Force said that that it was an, it, it was obviously a fake job, and that any you know an intelligent uh, high school student could do it. Harsh. But when I see the Psalm one one manual. Uh, it strikes me as not detailed enough, uh, that it's too high level. You know, if you're going to recover an alien body, I would think, and based on the way the government works, they would have an extensive procedure involving that. And if you're going to create it and move it and all that, it would have extremely detailed procedures. It uh, would, but it would be, the information would be as compartmentalized as the programs. And for every single, I mean, it's the army. I don't know if you were in the army, but like even like they had books on nuclear holocaust, what to do in case a nuclear bomb drops within 12 miles of the base. You would think that it would be an extremely long winded, gone with the wind biopic about how to stay alive. It's not, it's very, very brief. It touches on some of the important aspects of the situation and then it moves right along. If it can't cover it in that book, it doesn't create a whole new chapter to then talk about that, that, that subject. It defers you to a different publication, which you must then check out and read separately from the one that you're reading then. And that's exactly what goes on in that book. Uh-huh. 
well, you may be right. You know, you, and, and again, you know, I don't, I'm not going to come out and say definitively that that something's fake. Now, Jan Aldrich, who's a very uh, experienced government documentary UFO researcher, he listed a lot of things that were wrong with a Psalm 1-01 manual. Right. And, uh, you know, it's it's out there on the internet. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to write a paper about you know everything that people have commented on 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 these MJ12 related documents. And it's going to be a very long chapter because uh, you know there's a lot wrong with them. That's just part of the game. I say let the chips fall where they may. So yeah. anyone that has any useful information to impart impart about any of this, I'm I'm welcome you know to take that into my into my own system, you know, of my database, my timeline, my notes, and, all, and my references and all that. You know, if, they, if there are things that support something, then I, I'm, I'm going to mention that. If there are things that detract from it, I'm going to mention that. But the bottom line in most of these cases is it's gray box. Right. You don't really know for sure one way or the other, and that's just something that we live with in, in the UFO field. I mean, something obviously happened, but our, our – you know, our Operation Dove or Project Dove or whatever it was called is, is was the most successful disinformation campaign ever created because nobody knows what's going on. Nobody. Everyone's fighting about everything. The only thing that we can seem to, you know, agree on is that we can't agree on anything. Well, the situation we're, that we're involved in is such that I, I think truly we don't know what to believe. Right. Our basic fundamental problem is we have not received direct official confirmation of something. Right. We just we just don't have that. So we're left to argue and speculate and believe and not believe and Well now hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh Rob, did you tell him about the uh the seal? Robert, are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, well, so Rob sent me this image, which appears to me to be confirmation, exactly what you were just talking about, confirmation from the government of exactly what it is we've been trying to get confirmation of, and it's the National Institute of… Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, and that that came up on the internet a few days ago. Yeah. And, and then that government department came out and said that's not, that's not an authorized seal. Oh, god damn. Okay, so th this is the kind of, some of the things that go on, you know. <laughs> like uh, you have Lou Elizondo coming out and saying that he ran a tip, and then you had for a while there you had the Defense Department saying he didn't have any responsibilities with a tip, which just confuses everybody and and that divides the UFO community. So what do you where do you draw the line? I mean, how, was this the reason that you stepped back? I mean, or was this the reason that you stayed for so long? I mean, to to be so close to the action, to actually be able to speak to men like Lou Elizondo, to look at look them in the eye and say, "I believe them." I mean, does that even really matter if the evidence is is so disambiguous that people aren't really a concern anymore? It's data, and if there's enough of it, and if enough of it leads in enough random directions to do people matter? Do stories matter? Do facts matter? Do facts matter? Oh, facts matter. What we don't have enough of are confirmed facts from the government side. Okay, that's the problem. Right. So 
uh, like I said, we're left to speculate and wonder and believe something or not believe something and argue amongst ourselves. I love watching the government just dance around absolute facts or minimize things that should be the biggest stories on the face of the planet. Like that congressional hearing was a joke. Yes, it was. It was farce. It was a farce. It was theater. It was theater. And I'm tired of it, man. I, I, I don't know why people aren't up in arms, like, like, like really upset, you know, demanding that, that we be given all of the information that these people have, because they obviously have quite a bit of it. Well, don't let yourself get too upset and too frustrated because the UFO problem is the long game. There are no ready answers. We're not going to get a big disclosure anytime soon. You know, uh, you know, we get uh, a lot, lots of information, and we're kind of like, for people like me, I'm trying to, you know, connect the dots, and it's kind of like a, a like a jigsaw puzzle. You know, you have certain pieces, and then you're missing other pieces. So you're right. trying develop a picture out of whatever pieces you have, you know, to develop uh, a picture of of the big picture. But that big picture shifts beneath you. I've been so convinced that one specific hypothesis is accurate and I'll follow all of the breadcrumbs, you know, not not twiddling my thumbs. I mean, really paying attention to the, to the facts or what I believe to be the most factual aspects of the of that specific hypothesis, and I'll end up a complete 180, having moved no further than had I even begun moving at all. I mean, like I've gone through them all, and if you look hard enough, uh, every single hypothesis will give you data to make you believe that that's the one that's accurate. And that's kind of a scary deal for me because it seems like the phenomenon itself is interfering, which doesn't make sense, but it seems to be the case. Well, the phenomenon itself is mysterious. Uh, you don't know when you're going to see a UFO. You don't know where you're going to see a UFO or under what circumstances. If you do see one, uh, it's possible that it just up and, and, and goes away or it disappears or changes shape or something like that. So the phenomenon itself is fundamentally, in a deep way, very mysterious. It's a, it's a real mystery, okay? And and uh, people get frustrated because they want answers. And it's not like something ordinary and conventional. You collect the data and then you draw inferences from the data and you have a you feel like you have a pretty good idea of what's going on. Uh, that just isn't the case in the UFO field. It's it, it's frustrating in the extreme, and this is, this is why I try to advise people to keep an open mind, but take everything with a grain of salt, and don't, don't think that you're going to get all the answers quickly, because you're not. No. No, you won't. After all of these years, after all of your study, after all of your determined research into this field, the nuances, speaking with experiencers and contactees and abductees, I'm assuming, uh, going to the conferences, speaking to the big names in the circuit, um, and being a big name in the circuit yourself, what do you believe is happening? Well, I believe that the, the phenomenon is definitely real. 
I believe that uh, my comment, I'm a nuts and bolts type, okay? So uh, my initial assumption is that they're extraterrestrial until proven otherwise. I, I think that's a common sense approach, even though they, there could be very well other aspects to the phenomenon that we don't understand. Uh, and uh, I believe that probably a lot of people have undergone an abduction experiences. And I also think that it's, it's very, very possible that the government has recovered one or more craft and bodies and that they may even have a relationship with one or more of these groups. But like anyone else, I can't prove any of it. You know, there was a while there uh, in African exploration that there were reports about gorillas and, and there was some, I think there was some skepticism about it until somebody actually found the gorillas and, you know, brought one back. And, and you can't deny it's a, you know, there's a gorilla. It exists, but we haven't been able to do that with UFOs. Or we have, but we just we we didn't we didn't put it out into the zoo like the like the British did. Yeah, I I, I call it the missing missing proof syndrome. <laughs> that's exactly what it is, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's just, funny. Not, not <laughs> just UFOs. That's Bigfoot and Loch Ness monster, and I you can go on and on. Hey, you know, when you do your book, you should do it in the uh, in the, the same format that the military uses uh, to make their training manuals. Uh, that that might uh, that'd be entertaining, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, it would. <laughs> but then I I'd, I'd be accused of being a hoaxer. So <laughs> there you go. That's exactly right. Well, so tell me about uh, this Shandahar guy, the, the 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 man that they sent these documents to in the in the first place. Jamie Shandray was uh, an associate of William Moore in the 1980s. And uh, I don't know why William Moore worked with him. I, I, think, I think he was like a, maybe a, some kind of a film editor or a video editor. Uh, and I really don't know much more about him other than that there's not much more about him in, in the literature. He was fairly prominent in the late 80s and early 90s and then he just kind of disappeared is that the man that produced the roswell autopsy video no no that's a completely different situation that was ray santilli okay and i'm also getting william cooper mixed up with this guy william cooper is a private person and uh i think he had he uh was in the marines navy I, I, i'm sorry i'm there are two Cooper. I was thinking of Timothy Cooper. Yeah, William Cooper. I don't put much stock at all in him. I think he was a big. Uh, he's a braggart and a liar, and I think he's one of the biggest losers, you know, to ever come along. But William Cooper is mainly a conspiracy guy, you know, New World Order and all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. The 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 Jews are taking over the world. The uh, what was the, what was that horrible book that he that he. Uh, published uh the um pale horse. god yeah behold the pale horse god that book fuck i mean you talk about some of that stuff was pretty evil you know the 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 what is it of, of zion the um uh, 
the protocol to the elders of Zion. That shit was straight evil. Well, that the the protocols of the elders of Zion is is a hoax. I know it's a hoax. Why would you reprint it? I mean, if it's a hoax, let it die. It's the most damaging hoax in the world. It's not trying to prove the existence of extraterrestrials because there's some technology out there that can save the planet. It's just, you know, coming up every once in a while to remind racist people that Jews are somehow, what, bad? I don't understand why you would do it. It's just screwed up. Stop stop republishing it. Actually, it's still active today in the Middle East, uh, the Middle Eastern countries have a tendency to republish it. Yeah, of course they do. Good Lord. I mean, you can really tell the class of a, of a person, state, place, or thing by, by whether or not they publish that book regularly. I'm sorry, you, we've been keeping you for past the, the hour. Do you have anywhere to go? No, I'm, I'm fine. And, and Rob, why aren't you piping in? What do you think about the whistleblowers that have come out and said, you know, I'm an employee of the Navy. I've been paid to reverse engineer uh, these mysterious enigmatic pieces of technology that we've been allowed to handle for brief periods of time, but we don't know what they are. We don't know where they came from. We aren't allowed to ask questions as to what they're supposed to be attached to or how they're powered, but we are have been given the task of trying to figure out how to reverse engineer it once we figure out what it is, what it does, uh, what it may do, and uh, what it can do for us in the future. Well, as far as I know, uh, Chad, I, I don't think there have been any genuine uh, UFO whistleblowers yet. Lou Elizondo is probably the closest that we've had, and that's because he uh, informally gathered data um, about what was going on with these military uh, sightings, and then he resigned and went public. I think we can feel that it's pretty reliable that uh, Elizondo is who he said he is, and he did work in the DOD and the Pentagon, and he worked in counterintelligence things, I think, on the conventional side. I think he's the closest we've come to a whistleblower. Now, a a real whistleblower is Edward Snowden. He pulled a bunch of documentation about what NSA was doing and and collecting everybody's data and all that. And it was so serious that he moved out of the country and he had to disclose what he had in secret to, you know, under very, very uh, uh, confidential circumstances to a journalist. And then he, he had to move to Russia because he, if the U.S. ever gets a hold of him, he'll spend the rest of his life at, at, in a supermax prison. Uh, he's a true whistleblower. He produced proof, a lot of documents, and that is very serious. They're highly classified, and it, it's explosive information. And he, he had to leave the country, and now he's a Russian citizen, I believe. Yeah, he had to move to an even more draconian nation than America. But now I'm starting to think, is that true? I mean, is Russia truly more draconian than America, considering the information that that Snowden provided? It's horrible. Yeah, it it is, and um, that's that's a whole other subject. But I'm I'm trying to make the point of who is a real honest God, honest to God whistleblower. It's it's possible that. Lazar is, but he, the 
information on him, it's so controversial and debatable that we can't really, I mean, we can, we can be confident that Edward Snowden was a, was a true whistleblower. I can't be 100% confident about Lazar. Why would you say that about Lazar? Because of what I just said, his, his background doesn't check out. He hasn't provided enough uh, supporting documentation to support his claim. Well, and, and obviously that's true, but um, absence of supporting documentation is also kind of evidence of that documentation being tampered with to begin with. Because if you call up the hospital in which you were born and they don't have your birth certificate, then obviously something's being tampered with. If they call up the, uh, you know, the, the university where you studied and your name is on all of the, you know, the, the special clubs uh, and all of the newsletters, uh, you're listed in the, the newspaper as being a student there. But when they pull your records and it says that you've never taken classes there, nor were you ever a student there, then that shows that those records have been tampered with which isn't beyond the scope of, of a nation that would eavesdrop on every single one of its citizens. I mean, the government does do things like that. I mean, a lot of people, they, they call it being sheep dipped. Right. Um, and it, it typically happens uh, in the espionage world, like if you're going to be a deep cover agent or something like that. And they, you know, they, they sequester your personal information so that you can assume another identity um and you know if you want to think that lazar's legit i mean you're that you're entitled to do so i'm just saying what you know what i know about the situation yeah absolutely well so what um in your experience suggests to you one piece of information one story whatever it is that that makes you say you know something in your gut that there is something else out there that this is really happening it's not more uh, a matter of one thing. It's more a matter of kind of like the preponderance of evidence, the preponderance of information. And like I said, it's, you know, I'm taking all this information. I'm trying to connect the dots. I'm trying to create a picture in my mind of what the big picture is. And like I said, you know, I think I do believe that there's something definitely going on. I'm, inclined to believe that it's extraterrestrial until I find, until I see definitive evidence otherwise. Right. I, I think that, uh, you know, people have been abducted. Uh, and I think it's quite, quite possible the government has recovered material. So I don't, I don't really get into studying, you know, free energy and, you know, uh, anti-gravity and all that kind of thing. Uh, I, I'm more interested in the history of the MJ-12 affair and, and the and the perspectives on MJ-12. Well, I, I can't wait to see what it is that you that you do collectively with all of the information that you have, because I do believe that the world is missing, a, a, you know, a straightforward uh, narrative which discusses the the MJ-12, you know soap opera, which is what it is. It's a soap opera um, in a way that, that can keep people's attention and allow them to say, oh, okay, well, that makes sense given that this was released with that and that this has this person involved. But this person's, you know, aunt was passed. You know, there's just so much information. How much of this is the government? How much of this is a government shill? 
how much of this is true? How much of this has been retyped uh, to look like it might be true or it might not be true, but it actually contains real information? Like, I'd love to know all of that information. Why don't you, if you haven't already, go into my blog and read read my papers. Um, I've got uh, MJ-12, the counterintelligence angle, and I've got MJ before MJ-12, and MJ-12, Psychological Warfare and Strategic Deception. And I've got MJ-12, AFOSI. Let's say that last one. AFOSI, Air Force Office of Special Investigations. And then I have a, 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 a discussion of hoaxes throughout history to put the MJ-12 documents in, into historical perspective. So, you know, the protocols, the all uh, the elders of Zion is one. Oh, you have it in there? Oh, God, I cannot wait to read this tonight. Yes. Why, why don't you go in there and, re and read them, and then let's get back together, you know, again sometime, and I'll be glad to talk with you more. Before we hang up, I just wanted to say I, I, I've been in love with this subject since I was a kid, and to, you know, to be speaking with someone who, who's been at the forefront of it professionally, I'm, I'm a I'm just a big fan, truly. Well, thank you. That's very complimentary. But he had to say that, Chad. Uh, thank you for having me. And uh, we'll we'll get together and talk again, okay? Thank you. Okay, thank you. All right. You still there? can dream